And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Friday, <laughs> April 30th. Derek Van Riper, Ido Saris, Britt Giroli here with you on this Friday. And my wife. Yeah. She's does she want to join our acapella group? <laughs> yeah. What's it what was the what was the winner of the name of our acapella group? Oh, Alex had the best name of all on Twitter, and it was just a bit off key, I think is what he came up with, which is <laughs> like perfect for a, a baseball acapella group name. So that is the winner of our unofficial contest. If there's ever a prize available, Alex wins it for this particular contest. But on this episode, we'll see if Eno's wife brings a few more bars for us. We will talk uh, about Moving the Mound, the story that Eno published earlier this week for The Athletic. April Awards, we'll talk about our first month selections for Rookie of the Month. Pitcher of the Month and Hitter of the Month in both leagues. Uh, we'll discuss some of the surprising teams uh, as we flip the calendar to May of the surprising teams who is most likely to be in the conversation as a playoff team later on this season. A few questions came in about the ball, so we'll tackle those. And we'll talk about some walk-up music as well, since we're thinking so much about music on this show lately. Uh, let's get into Moving the Mound. You know, I was reading the story, and I was actually surprised that you had hitters that you spoke to who weren't just all for this. Like I would have thought hitters blindly assumed that moving the mound back was something that would absolutely help them. And that wasn't the case. Yeah, I think, you know, and I hadn't even given my spiel because we were talking about something else. I've got a really cool story coming for next week. Um, but, uh, Ooh, did I just out my source? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we were just talking about uh, about things about something totally different, and he's that he offered that one up, um, and then I explained where you know where I was coming from with the worst case scenario, which is just uh, it has to do with like the steepness of the ball. When you think about uh, how the ball crosses the plate right now, um, you know you'll say people say like try to get out in front of the break on a breaking ball, like try to get the breaking ball before you know you don't want to swing late on a curveball like then like, you know with the angle of the pitch you'll just be hitting it like at a more steeper angle so um if you move the plate and the mount back uh breaking balls will be coming in at a steeper angle so i don't know that we have uh, a ton of evidence that uh breaking balls will be um like worse on pitcher on hitters but I think uh, they will uh, become relatively steeper than than fastballs will. And there is this idea that there'll be secondary effects. And that's the one thing that I'm always fascinated with is when you make a change, right? There's like what happens at first. It's like, okay, what happens at first will probably be more contact. But what happens after that? Like how do pitchers adjust? Do they just try to throw harder? You know, now that 95 acts like 93, are they all going to try and throw 97? That could be the possibility. But there's also this possibility, and I had one um, pitching coordinator say, 
I'm going to have all my pitchers throw 80% breaking balls. And there's already a team out there that has already upped their breaking ball usage uh, significantly. So maybe people are like, you know, seeing this coming and making the adjustment ahead of time. You know, do you think this is a, a good idea after some of the research you've done? Like if someone was like, oh, Commissioner, you know, Sarah's here going to decide one way or the other. Uh, what would you say? I just I think that I would start with smaller changes um, because because this that's what I'm saying with this is like it's such a big change that the, the secondary effects like we could it could change baseball. You know what I mean? Like it seems like a, a like a not that big a deal one foot or something, but it could change baseball. Like what if we were watching 80 percent breaking balls right now? You know, yeah, that would be kind of different baseball, you know. Um, and so uh, I like if it was me, I would do a, mount, a, a pitch clock. Uh, get the batter in the box. Um, the pitch clock actually could reduce velocity because they're they're waiting more between pitches. Uh, we've talked about this a fair amount. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I am team pitch clock. I am definitely team pitch team clock. Pitch clock. Um, I would actually uh, reverse one of the changes I made to the ball, and make it heavier. Because um, actually, this this and if you made this ball heavier. Um, I think that uh, you would actually reduce the seams a little bit. You reduce the pitch movement. You reduce the pitch velocity uh, by making the ball heavier. And I think I would do robo-umps because robo-umps would allow me to tinker with the game some more, you know, and allow me precision. When you tell the umps, oh, call a wider zone, call it this zone, call it that zone, it, it, it takes like three years before it's actually happening, you know, um, and, and they have to kind of train themselves. But if you have an if you have a robotic umpire, you can, umpire you can say, okay, let's try it. Let's try this year in the minor leagues, like no high strikes, and let's see if that does something. So, um, and, and I'm talking about like inches or whatever. But you, you can you can kind of play with the game a little bit more. So, um, I would I would kind of try to the fringe stuff first uh, because I don't know that we've we've really tried those in the major league level. We've done the pitch clocks in the minor league level. Um, you know, we've mucked with the ball, but we haven't done a good job with it. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think there's uh, I think there's some stuff we could do there. And the rule changes is interesting because I don't think people realize something as simple as the three batter minimum rule came into huge play in, in the Philadelphia game the other night when Bryce Harper was hit in the face. I mean, what is is that rule? That's a great example. Is it making the game better that you have to face three batters? Is it making it faster? And that, to me, was just like exhibit 1A of how this rule really isn't accomplishing anything. Uh, what, what do you guys think? I'm curious what you guys think about that rule the other night and those who didn't watch that game. The first two Phillies were hit, right? Including Bryce Harper in the face. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, Henderson Cabrera was pitching. And I don't like the three-batter minimum rule at all. I, I, I understand that one thing people don't like about the game is when... Alex Claudio comes out of the bullpen, faces one hitter, and then the next reliever comes in, and we're back at commercial, and that takes a while. But the three-batter minimum, it doesn't scratch the itch for me. I know you want to have a game where you can reduce some of the specialists and and cut out that extra time. How much extra time are they really saving with this? And if time is the goal, if you have matchups that allow more runners to get on base in the late innings that's extending the game anyway so i don't know like i know i know we're trying to fight back against the current of point of things being optimized but this isn't doing what they wanted it to do it's a secondary 
outcome that probably wasn't really considered. It was, well, we're saving this time here. Yeah, but you're getting this time added back on later. If you have the worst reliever in longer, he gives more hits up. <laughs> There's more people on base. But see, uh, that's uh, that's why I think like time of game is not that interesting of uh, to people. And I think that chasing that was really a messed up way of thinking about things. I do think that we can do stuff about pace of play of like how much action there is. And that's talking about how many balls there are in play and um, and uh, sort of dead time. That's why when I do the pitch clock, I would also tell the batters, get in the box, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, also, uh, to, to your point about it not working, um, uh, 2020 and 2021 are the uh, longest times per nine innings. Uh, you can look at baseball reference, three hours and seven minutes. Um, we have not cut any time off of uh, a three-hour game, a, a nine, a nine-inning game um, since the rule was implemented. So, uh, even if time of game was something we cared about, uh, we're not doing a good job. It's because it's <laughs> it's at a record high. So, but I, I, you know, this is another thing. Don't you guys just think three hours almost with any sporting event? I, I realize the basketball is like more like two and a half, and football can be shorter, but. In my head, I'm just like, three hours. If I'm going to watch a sporting thing, it's three hours. The only exception for me is soccer because it's two 45-minute halves and you know, halftime is about 15 minutes and your stoppage time gives you the extra maybe five minutes in each half. So you're in and out under two hours. There is a slightly different feeling with soccer, though. Is like you kind of have to watch the soccer game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like It's always playing. You can't... There's no break. You know, with football... Even basketball, but definitely baseball, you can check your phone. There's like a lot of breaks. You can go to the bathroom, get some food. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. soccer is like, it's shorter, but it's like, what's happening? Well, so there's something that's also brewing here. And this came up. I think Sportico had the story. Adam Silver, the commissioner that we all love, the commissioner of the NBA, spoke to the commissioner that we all really don't love, Rob Manfred, according to <laughs> listeners of this podcast, anyway. And Adam Silver told Rob Manfred, stop worrying about pace of play. And the reason is, a slow pace of play maximizes in-game wagering. And if in-game wagering is the way to maximize fan engagement, if you're watching on YouTube, you may have seen that my eyebrows moved when I said fan engagement. It's not just fan engagement that we're thinking about here, right? It's generating revenue from sports mm. betting. So... I would not be surprised at all if all of a sudden pace of play is something that we're no longer talking about as a, a problem plaguing Major League Baseball, even as games get slightly longer, as Eno pointed out. I never thought I'd see MGM as a partner of baseball. It's everywhere now. It's also not just like a sl- it's it's in your face. The 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 betting has become so ingrained so quickly. It's actually a little frightening. I think. Um, to think about. Um, I agree with, you know, it's not, listen, if it's three hours and it's like good, exciting Dodgers, Padres, riveting stuff, I'm not like, God, is this game going to end? It's more like, oh, it's the third inning and this team's already into their bullpen. It's eight to nothing and this game sucks. And you know what happens in those games is I think the betting thing becomes, because, you know, who's watching those games? Fantasy players. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. DFS players. They're like, Ooh, it's an eight nothing game. My stack is working. If this guy hits a homer, I might win twenty thousand dollars tonight. Yes, I want to see Alex Bregman taking plate appearances against the Angels' seventh best reliever, or hopefully 
a non-Jared Walsh position player. You know, I <laughs> that's what I'm. There's no other person watching that, that really because the, the 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 two fan bases involved are like, damn, eight nothing. I don't care. You know, like either I don't care we won, woo, or I don't care we lost. Uh, you know, how many people are sticking around at eight nothing? Very few people. Yeah. The people that are have money on it. <laughs> or they're related to the guy playing, but yes. Um, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no disrespect to the Angels' seventh best reliever and his family. Um, I'm sure that... <laughs> yeah, yeah we're right. not here for, the, for that. Um, it, it, you're right. I, I do think that some of the, a lot of the game could be changed by, you know, not time of game, just pace of play. Just more exciting. Just make it better. Limit the number of pitchers that can be used in a game or that you can designate as active. Get rid of the dead time like the pitch clock. Um, there are a lot of things that you can do to make it more exciting. And to be fair, I was going to write a column about this, but I'm kind of like lazy because it's Friday. Um, so I'll just say it on this podcast free for all of you instead. I feel like this month has been so fun. It We, we complain about making the game better, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, then we have like, in my opinion, the most fun month that we've had in baseball in a really long time. You've got like Frederick Freeman getting struck out by Anthony Rizzo. You've got all the Dodgers Padres nonsense. God, Dodgers you've, Padres you've got, is so good. You've got no hitters already. Uh, you've got. Did you guys see this morning the video of the Arizona Diamondbacks doing a TikTok dance after they won a game? Mm. Um, hilarious. Make sure if you're just find it. What TikTok dance? The one like the one with like this one. They're like just basically like in a line and they're like kind of moving their legs. Uh, but oh, they're the all one where you do one person does a thing and then they move out of the way and the next person does a no, thing. No, they're all like lined up like a line dance oh. and then they're just dancing to mm. this and they're like oh like hey and it's like this looks like a little league team, <laughs> uh, not a team that celebrates an April win. So there's I don't know about you guys. There's been a lot of fun. It's like well maybe don't change with the game because I've really enjoyed watching it. Well, somebody was clowning on this. There was a, there was a comment that like, if you add these fourteen teams together, uh, you get five hundred. <laughs> and there were people like, oh, it's amazing. If you add all thirty baseball teams' records together, you get five hundred. <laughs> How did baseball do this? So mediocre. Uh, but I do think that there uh, is a surprising amount of parity going on right now. I yeah. mean, you have the Red Sox. Uh, you know, atop that division, but you'd, you'd expect the, the Yankees uh, to get it going. Uh, so that looks like a competitive uh, four-team race there. The NL East, everybody is below 500, but they're all close to it. You yeah. know, the Royals are atop the Central. The Mariners are, are fighting with the Athletics, who started out terribly. Uh, the Giants are atop the West. So there's enough surprise early. Uh, so I wonder, do you think that some of this is just uh, it's randomly more exciting because there was there's been some random team occurrences. It could be a little bit of that. I I don't know. Maybe we just missed normal baseball last year because what <laughs> happened last season. We were grateful to have the sixty games that we got, but it it was preceded by some very contentious back and forth between ownership and the players and the cloud of uncertainty hanging over everybody's lives last summer. So maybe just having some relief that there's light at the end of the tunnel from a general life perspective has also kind of helped put us in this place where we can enjoy something more than we could a year ago when the season began. But the surprising first place teams, I don't think the Red Sox are this good. I don't think any of these teams are necessarily as good as their records would indicate right now. The Royals, the A's, the Giants all being in first place right now. I don't think they're all complete flukes either. I think all four of those teams might be a tick better than 
projections suggested. I think that's at least possible in a couple cases. I think of this group, the A's, we're so used to them hanging around. Like They look like they're the most likely team to be a playoff team just because of the A's, and they're always in the mix. And they always find that way to have that high-variance roster to get into the mid- to high-80s win total. And, and suddenly, we get to the final weeks of September, and they're one series away from clinching a spot. So by default, like my mind says, it's the A's. But when I look at the Red Sox, the Royals, and the Giants, I think the Red Sox actually are the most convincing and maybe it's because I'm putting a lot of stock in Chris Sale eventually coming back. Wait, 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 wait. Weren't you one the one burying the Red Sox? No. Okay. <laughs> it was Britt. <laughs> oh, sorry, Britt. I, I thought it was him. <laughs> no, oh, Derek, Derek did a really nice job there of not calling me out, and I was waiting for it. And, waiting <laughs> and then for I it. just stumbled right into yeah. it. <laughs> it's, you guys set me up. You guys signed on before me today. So was this like a pre? No, no, no. That was just me being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Britt. <laughs> Okay, I thought the Red Sox were terrible. I'm still not convinced their pitching staff's going to hold up. But hey. Yeah, Pavetta, man. Pavetta outdueled DeGrom. I don't think that's happening. Oh, no, the Mets can't hit. I mean, but yes, I, I do think, I mean, what if the Red Sox get a reliever or two at the deadline? Are they a dangerous team? Yeah, maybe. They're a dangerous team because the, the Yankees sale. are stinking up the joint, though. That's what people didn't anticipate. Well, I think the the Yankees are going to be fine. I've said this a bunch of times. I think I said they were going to win 10 out of 11 on Twitter, and they can only win 9 out of 11 now because they lost in extras to the Orioles on Thursday. So now I'm this non-Yankee fan salty about Yankees' April losses to the <laughs> Orioles because of stupid declarations I made on Twitter. But No, you did well. You did great. Come on, that's a win. How are you supposed, that's a win. How are you supposed to know Cedric Mullins was going to do Cedric Mullins things? <laughs> we love Cedric Mullins on oh, this show. We do. But I, I mean, okay, so the Red Sox. <laughs> I actually think, though, no, one thing that you made a point about the A's I think is really great. And I wanted, I just want to bring it around to the Giants because Farhan is uh, born of A's. Uh, Farhan Zaidi, the GM there. Um, I, I think that he's doing the A's thing. You th- uh, he's, finding, he's finding guys that they, who cares what age they are? You know, they're like, he's like, okay, you're 29, whatever. I know you're post-peak, but like nobody else wants you because you're post-peak. So I'll sign you to like Tommy LaStella. I'll sign you to, I'm going to be the A's with a little bit more money. I'll sign you to two years and, and six million or 12 million or whatever it was. Um, and the other thing that, uh, that Billy, Billy Bean has talked about is if you just hang around, um, you can pick up wins in the end of the year because other teams start uh, selling. Yeah. Um, and just by not selling, you can have more. You can have more wins. So there is something to that. Where like I think the Giants and A's might be uh, there uh, at the end, fighting for a wild card. I don't see them as division winners. Obviously, I mean, obviously for the Giants, but I think even for the A's, I don't know that I, I see them as division winners. But I do see them as wild cards because they're not going to sell, um, and they'll they might even pick up something if it's cheap enough. And they're just gonna just hum along and be like kind of like an eighty-four to eighty-six win team that hopefully lucks into eighty-nine or ninety. If if there's one team out of these four four first place teams that in a month from now is still in first place, who do you guys think it is? Because I think it's the Royals. By nature of I think I could see the rest of that division maybe not doing what we thought they were going to do. I, I could see the Royals still being in first place in a month. Maybe not in September, but I think the Royals aren't quite I don't know, they're not quite as fluky. Their success is what I thought. Well, I think the Royals are 
definitely better offensively. Like they they made some changes in the offseason. You know, adding Carlos Santana gave them a middle of the order guy that gets on base a lot. That was kind of a, a weakness of recent Royals teams, low OBPs. So you, you add him, you make the trade for Benintendi. I don't know I don't know where things are going to end for Benintendi. It's still been more bad than good so far, but I'm not ready to give up on him. Eventually, you get Mondesi back. Maybe later in the season, you call it Bobby Witt Jr. And Witt's going to start the year at AA, which is a starting point where you can see him finishing in the big leagues if he goes to AA, mashes, gets the bump at AAA, you know, holds his own or mashes there. So they could have two impact players internally coming up on the position player side. And then it comes down to how aggressive they want to be with their pitching and how much you like their pitching. Do you think Daniel Lynch and Jackson Coar are going to come up and be quality big league starters right away. And they had a lot of success last year with Brady Singer. They've got more mileage out of Brad Keller than anybody would have predicted as a Rule 5 pick. Danny Duffy's having a bounce back year that we've talked about on this show. There are a lot of positives with the Royals, and they do have some young players and injured players coming up and coming back that are going to keep giving them little upgrades and possibly keep them afloat. And I think the other thing for me... I think the Twins and White Sox are, are going to be right there. I'm definitely worried about Cleveland as, as a, a team that's just not as good as we're used to. Like it, it's not just the Lindor loss. It's the failure to fix flaws repeatedly year over year. So I, I think I agree with you, Britt. I think just because I, I see the Dodgers and, and Padres being such juggernauts in the NL West, it's, it's not the Giants. The AL East is so strong. I think the Yankees are bouncing back. That probably works against the Red Sox. And then the A's with the Astros and the Angels. I think the Astros and Angels are a little bit better, just a little bit better combined than the Twins and White Sox are today. So I think that the Royals do have the easiest path to hold that spot. The numbers say that um, the Indians are underperforming offensively by a run per game. That's what the, the projections say. They're going to they're gonna score five runs per game. They're scoring under four runs per game. The numbers say that the Royals are underperforming are overperforming on the pitching side, that they're going to give up another 6.6.7 runs. So basically, there's like some symmetry there. Which aspect do you think will be fixed first? You know, there's like, do you think the Indians will start to score more runs? Or do you... As you pointed out, Kowar, Lynch, do you think that the, um, the the Royals can fix their pitching? I think the Royals can fix their pitching, though. I think if you're if you're going to sit here and say like what's more likely as what's more likely is as it gets hotter and more humid, offenses pick up. Isn't that just like a natural symmetry of the season? August, right? Like yeah. pitchers come out and have these terrific Aprils because it's cold and guys don't want to swing the bats and they're a little behind from spring training, right? And then as you get into the summer, already this year you've seen, I see all the time, a ball that you're like, oh, that's out in July. That's out in August. Oh, that ball got came back in, right? Because it's cold and there's no movement You've at covered all. some games in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After, I've seen like pop-ups, you know? You're like, oh, there goes another home run. Uh, Baltimore, is, Baltimore is like the hottest park in the league in August. And it's, yeah. that's where all the home runs come from in Baltimore. <laughs> that's true. That's where Chris Davis's entire 2013 campaign came from. <laughs> <laughs> Tons of money. Speaking of which, I went to the Orioles-Yankees game the other day. And no one's talking about this. So, I, I, again, too lazy to write it. I'm going to ask you guys where is chris davis he's on the il but not really hurt and no one knows where he is like he just kind of went away 
Ooh, Phantom Dia. Oh, Phantom Aya. Yeah, like where is I he? I love it. Where is he? And what, nobody cares. Like where is? Why no one's even said anything? I halfway through the game, I'm like, he's not starting. He's not on the roster. And the beat guys are like, shrug. I don't know. It is a weird thing that people do abuse the IL and and like I I, I am talk. I was talking to a now retired pitcher um, once. And we were, I was like kind of going through his injury history because he was having like a, a good year or something. I was like, what, what happened there? Um, and he's like, oh, they just told me that I had to go on the IL or they would release me. I mean, you still get paid if you're on the IL, but you get paid if you get released. You'll, the only way you lose that money is if you retire. So as long as Chris Davis doesn't retire, he gets every dollar of that contract. Just a weird trajectory, right? To go from such a high in 13 and then... Had a you know bad year and then had a pretty good year in fifteen again and then they can't put it together they just stop playing him he gets benched and now even even more so than being bad I think if you're bad you're at least relevant you're getting booed now he's just in the abyss yeah oh my god they're showing the weirdest graphic on MLB Network right now it's Tony La Russa like in front in uniform in front of all of his guys and it's just like I don't know man. I don't think Tony the Russo. I mean, yeah, the White Sox won eight of ten, but I, I think I don't think Tony the Russo is at the front of that pack. <laughs> I think he's probably cost them the two that they didn't win. Damn, but yeah, agreed. Uh... <laughs> he's not. He's not putting on a meister class of uh, of how to manage. And it's what's ironic is he's leaving his pitchers in too long, and he was supposedly the guy who created the whole like master bullpen. You know, take your pitchers out earlier strategy, but. Uh, I guess he's forgotten yeah. what made him good. Do you guys think it'd be fun to go back through somewhat recent baseball history and find out who actually came up with these revolutionary ideas and, and remove improper credit where it was given? Yeah. 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 It's interesting because, you know, I, I, there's like, did the Yankees come up with the Super Bowl pen or was it the Royals? I thought it was the Royals first and then as soon as it worked it was pretty obvious to Brian Cashman like oh wait yes we we want to have five or six guys that are just locked down relievers at the ready I yeah I think it Could was the be. Royals I think it was definitely the Royals but the Yankees have had really good bullpens for a really long time yeah I mean who came up with the bat flip <laughs> the first bat flip I would love to read the the story about that I bet people were just blown away. I bet it goes back that seems to so old that it like it's impossible to figure it's out. It's probably oh, not it, it, that old, but you're right. It was probably... a caveman. Didn't Mickey Mantle fit his bats? What? No, no, it was a literal caveman. I swear to God, it, it'd be an yeah, accident. Like, oops, flipped out of his hands. Like, there's no way Mickey Mantle was like flip, see ya, trotting yeah. around the bases. I mean, I Maybe wish. Maybe like an emphatic drop. Dude, <laughs> honestly, now that bat flips are cool, imagine if you could go back in the day and see like Mickey Mantle bat flip or like Babe Ruth showboating around the bases. Like I would That's freaking saying, love it. Dude. I bet you it happened. All these people were like, oh, respect the game. Like go back in time. I bet you there were some people showboating back in the oh, day. Oh, man. Babe Ruth was the only guy hitting homers, dude. You don't think he was like, ah, you suckers. (laughs) What game are you playing? There's Joe DiMaggio pimping stuff, blinking at opponents. Like, I bet this stuff's been done. We just didn't have any video of it and nobody had Twitter. So. (laughs) Supposedly Dusty Baker and and his teammate, like, 
created the high five, right? Yeah. That that, that piece is out there. And that's like a legendary huh. thing, yeah. That seems impossible to me that somebody... No one high five before that? I know. That's alive now? That's what I'm saying. It seems impossible to me that somebody alive now created the high five. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's so ubiquitous now. Oh, who, <laughs> so like, exactly. Well, who created, like we were talking about a few shows ago, the thing where they do like this or mix like it all up. the stuff oh, on wasn't the bases? It, wasn't it a basketball player? Oh, yeah. Who, yeah who's but the first person to celebrate on the base pads? Yeah. yeah. Who was yeah. like, you know what? I didn't hit a home run, but I still got to second. So <laughs> I got to celebrate. I got to say something to my homeboys yeah. in the dugout. <laughs> Hello. Was it the first one really tame? Like, hi, guys. I hit a double. Hey. Yeah, I don't know. Golf clap for self. Just <laughs> yeah, I hit a double. Yeah, like, who decided the first walk off that this was like, hey, we won one game. It's it's one one of one sixty two, but we gotta throw everything everywhere because we walked it off. Like, who decided that? Were they doing that back in the day? Was Lou Gehrig like throwing sunflower seeds? <laughs> <laughs> like some of these managers, I don't think would take kindly to Gatorade baths. I don't know. Yeah. Was Gatorade a thing? Yeah. Did they ever Gatorade bath Bobby Cox? I don't know why I always pick up Bobby Earl Cox. Weaver? I grew up in Atlanta. <laughs> Do you think they ever threw Gatorade on Earl Weaver? That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Probably not. What? How about these guys who were smoking heaters in the dugout? Did you ever douse them with a, with a Gatorade? He's got like a soggy cigarette. Someone asked Jim Leland, because that guy feels like he's 150 years old. Uh but yeah, who created the Gatorade bag? Ask the old oldest managers that will talk about it. When's the first time you saw this? And you know, the, you'll probably get some pretty fun answers from a few of those guys. Uh, it was a little writing brainstorm session. Yeah, yeah happy to share our process with yeah. everyone. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's give out some April hardware because that's the most fun thing you can do at the end of the first month of the season. I wish I had a 3D printer. More accurately, I wish I had access to one. I don't want my own. They're expensive and not useful. But what I would do if I had a 3D printer, this is why I don't, I would make actual (laughs) awards for our show and we would send them to players. And maybe once in a while, it would actually reach them and we'd see them like holding the April AL they Rookie of the post Month on award. Instagram. Yeah, that's where we need to be, right? We, we we gotta we have to go where the action is. So maybe we could be featured in an Arizona Diamondbacks TikTok, you know, if we we sent the right award to the right person. So if you know We'd someone, have to come up. No, this is this is a deviation from the show notes here, but uh, uh, we'd have to come up with our own spin on things. So like, we couldn't just be like player of the month. Like, what could we do that was like like different like a different kind of award 
Well, we want like best celebration. We want fun stuff. There you go. There we go. That's better. Yeah, we, it, I it's it's it. got to be new. It's got to be a new celebration. You can't. You did the selfie last October, Marcelo Zuna. You're not getting an award for that in April. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was surprised when you <laughs> talked about that. I was like, he's still doing the selfie. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, he's really like stopping and and taking it in too. So I mean, but sometimes if you find a really good celebration and that qualifies as one, it's like Edwin with the parrot, right? You don't get oh, rid of that. Like one, once I love you, that one. once you have your masterpiece celebration, that is your signature celebration. You don't deviate from that. That one was great too because I think it was by accident. I think he was just sort of running around with his arm up. Shoulder was a little <laughs> sore. He's like, oh, yeah, it's with my shoulder. And then someone photoshopped a bird on it and <laughs> like, well, walk the parrot because that's what oh, you do. Man. You walk a parrot if you have them. Apparently, and then maybe you know what the oh, I just had a great vision of what the award would look like. It would be Prince Fielder like this. Oh, yeah, the the with the with people like with people the people like exploded around him. That would look like that would be like a really cool looking uh, award, wouldn't it? Either that or Ruffnet Odor punching Jose Bautista in bronze. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the consequences of the celebration. I don't think I don't think people want to think about that. <laughs> Best on field rivalry could, gets that trophy. It, it oh. could be the bat's bad flip. We have to have the a, problem with uh, doing a bad flip is you can't do that in in a in a you can't like make that because the bat has how does how do you attach the bat to the person? You can't just have a bat floating. You think that I can't figure out a way to make a floating bat with a 3D printer? I have a Jonathan <laughs> Lucroy bobblehead, sir, where he is both the hitter and the kit the catcher behind the plate. You wildly wildly underestimate the amount of time on, that Derek has on his hands. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I will go to no end to make this amazing. No end. No end. There's no amount of time or money. I will not do any of this work. I have no time for this. No, this is going to happen. This this is definitely going to happen. No, but I still think I, I the Prince Fielder one is very iconic and looks like an award, you know? It does look like an award. It is, and it's... You know, a top five, top ten celebration all time, which is very, very oh, high praise. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you or someone you know has access to a 3D printer, I'm going to need you to tweet at me <laughs> at Derek Van Riper. <laughs> Preferably they live somewhere in the Madison area. Uh, anywhere within Dane County or an adjacent county will be close <laughs> oh enough. Oh, my uh, God. I'll send you a box of beer. See? There's there's beer in it for you, you if we can use your friend's 3D printer. <laughs> What more could you possibly ask for? The one at your office after hours. <laughs> can Derek come to your work? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, no one wants that, me hanging around that office. We're not that creepy. Or are we? <laughs> for now, we'll start with our standard awards. The <laughs> April right. AL Rookie of the Month. I think this is Yermin Mercedes in a runaway, guys. Yeah. He's been fantastic so far. A 423, 464, 679 line through 21 games. Yes, he's been worth a full win above replacement as a DH in a month. That is extremely difficult to do. Maybe a shout out to Adolis Garcia. Yep. Uh, but uh, between the two, I would also say that even though Yermin Mercedes has a, a 452 Babbitt, I would say that his production might be a little bit more sustainable because he's got like pretty awesome power and contact ability. Uh, you know. In, in spades. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, he might end up being the rookie of the year. Yeah. Doesn't Mercedes and Mullins, aren't they tied for the big league lead in hits? If not, they're right up there. Or they were as of like a day ago. 
Um, he, and he, yeah, why aren't we? Why isn't Mullins showing up here? He, is he not a qualified batter yet? Not eligible for rookie awards. Yeah, he's not a rookie. Oh, he's been around longer. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, this is a guy who wasn't even on our radar at all. Like, I think we all thought, like, Randy Rosarena was going to run away with it, if I recall correctly. Um, and He's not too far off. Like, he could have a, a hot month and get back in. Sure. It. I mean, sure, he's, the difference is about a half a win. He still could. Uh, but it's just, it's interesting. And again, we could be laughing about this. Hey, remember Mercedes in September? And that's just baseball. I did have I did have an evaluator text me that uh, he thought this was the new Chris Shelton. Mm, I don't think I don't so. I think I think there's a much better hit tool here with Mercedes than there was with Chris Shelton. I mean, this is a guy who strikes out 14, 15 percent of the time, and the league is striking out twenty six percent of the time. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> it's I, I think this is nuts. This is actually nuts. more real than this profile would lead you to believe so i realize that's a really vague way to describe what's happening here are you talking about his like physical profile <laughs> i'm talking about the positionless old yeah. guy that gets stuck in the minors forever like usually those guys are up and down and gone yeah. and forgotten about because and then that's probably why they were saying sheltonish right but i i don't th- i don't think yermin mercedes is getting regular big league plate appearances in three years but this time next year, could he still be relevant? Yeah, I'm, I'm warming up to that. And the player comp I had just from a amazing start, bad finish was Brian LaHare. Remember the time Brian LaHare was an all-star for the Cubs? You guys are like, no, who the hell's Brian LaHare? Yeah, what? It wasn't that long ago. Brian LaHare was an no, all- I remember LaHare, yeah. They were a pretty, it was a bad Cubs team, right? It was the classic, well, someone's got to be our all-star. But he was just gone like it, it, it was an amazing start tailed off in the second half and we never heard from him again like that's that's more likely for mercedes than falls apart in may and disappears by june okay i do suppose there is a weakness in his game i just looked his retrade is pretty high so you know he's putting a lot of pressure on his hit tool if he doesn't have good play discipline so the strikeout rate could rise i guess but the barrel rate is great. The max EV is great. Like it, he looks like a, he looks like a powerful hitter. He's hit some dongs that were like tremendous, dude. Yeah, some very long home runs. <laughs> some top shelf analysis there at the end. It's Friday, all right. The um, the pitching candidates are pretty good. Michael Kopech has looked really strong. If he gets into yeah. the rotation for May, I could see him being a candidate for next month's award. James Karinchak has pitched well in Cleveland. Emmanuel Classe has pitched well in Cleveland out of the bullpen. And the Red Sox have a Rule 5 pick, Garrett Whitlock, who's been really good so far, too. And then a former White Sox, Dane Dunning, the best of the starting pitchers on the rookie side thus far. I was surprised he still had a rookie eligibility Dude, left earlier this season. I don't know what the bottom line is about to say, but there's a seamless transition here to NL Rookie of the Month. Let's hear it. I mean, I think I could I could pull that off. <laughs> All right. Here's a cool thing. The best pitcher and the best hitter are on one team. Best rookie pitcher and best rookie hitter in the NL. Yeah. Of course. That's kind of cool. Yeah. They're both Marlins. I, and, and yet, I still don't think the Marlins are very good. But they're a fun team. They're like a fun bad team. They're an entertaining bad team. Aren't? Don't you agree? Certainly. With Jazz, Jazz Chisholm is the batter I was talking about, of course, and Trevor Rogers is the pitcher. And yeah, yeah. They're they're. Fun I mean, the pitching is good. The starting pitching is good, and they throw hard, and they are exciting. They haven't even gotten six toe, so I guess maybe they are okay. 
But the lineup is just... Um, it's a problem. Guys, to here's... To put it mildly. Here's the thing, though, guys. They're the only team, or they were, let me double check, but they were the only team in the NL East with a, a positive run differential. Oh, wow. I didn't even check the run differentials How because... How you like them apples? Because you know? they're behind, they're all under 500. You know what? Uh, Miami, okay, here, Atlanta, negative 2. Philly, negative 16. Mets, negative 13. Miami, plus 12. Washington, wow. negative 22. So I don't... Break up the Marlins. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they do have a little... Maybe not... Okay, I'm not saying they're going to win the NL East, but maybe they're not the last place team we all envision. Mm. Here's another interesting thing. Their their regression is supposed to all come in pitching because they're only giving up 3.8 runs a game and they're supposed to give up 4.7. And yet, pitching is the one part of what they do that I'm kind of like, yeah. Yeah, they put together a representative bullpen and they have a, they've always had a good rotation and they have more on the way. So, Marlins going to win? Marlins going to win 80... 80 games? 81? <laughs> they, I'm, ju- I'm, I'm just saying they could be a third place team in the NL East and it wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise you? No. No. Third place wouldn't. This- I will react kindly in this situation because I have been treated unkindly in this situation in the past. Yes. Anything is possible. <laughs> oh, they even shame. tried to treat you unkindly when you, you were the one that was right about it. The Red Sox. So much disrespect okay. with that Red Sox you know, call. You know, and he's not super like wearing it right now, though, because it's April. If if yeah. we get to Memorial oh, Day, then you'll see him. You'll see Derek, if you're watching on YouTube, show up with like Red Sox gear head to toe in the podcast. <laughs> it's St. Like, Patrick's Day, like, the green stuff, too. Like the really like deep uh, Red yeah. Sox fan, uh, fake there, Irish person fan. Uh, there will be nothing subtle about Derek's flex. Uh, he'll if they he'll sing. Uh, he'll sing. What's that? Dropkick Murphys or Sweet Caroline? Tessie? No, it's Sweet, Sweet Caroline. Caroline. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're all stupid songs. Sweet yes. Caroline, Tessie, Dropkick shipping Mer- up to Boston. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I used they're to, all terrible. Oh, God, they're, they're not that bad, but I, I don't want all of Boston sports fans uh, attacking me. I, I open your grill. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. Uh, Jazz over Trevor Rogers for the first month though. Four homers, seven steals, two ninety three, seventy five, five fifty one. You could go either way here. They're both really good. I, I think the. The only other candidate for the award would be Dylan Carlson, but side-by-side, side, Jazz has been better offensively than Carlson to this point. One of those things where Carlson might win the whole thing because Jazz is currently hurt. Jazz might have more regression. Carlson's line looks kind of sustainable. So there is... Uh, yeah, but you know, it's kind of funny when you do these things. Like, do you, like you're not really supposed to think about sustainability, are you? No. But, but then people will... Like, if you do give the award like it could be a, a a tiebreaker how sustainable you think it is right because if you give the award to the brian lahare of the season then it just looks kind of silly right it's like oh we just gave an award to someone who had an unsustainable hot month right so you kind of on some level want to be like let's give the award to the one that's a little bit slightly more sustainable yeah, yeah to I look mean, right no, in the long yeah. run. Like, look at us. We're so smart. We gave Dylan Carlson <laughs> you know, all the Rookie you know of the Month it's awards. Come back to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if we... but the award is supposed to be just looking backwards. It is, and I think you know, war leaderboards make this really easy to sift through the candidates. And I think Jazz versus Rogers is actually a really fun debate. Uh, kudos to Marlins fans for having both on the NL side right now. But if I were making this award today, if I were Running the 3D printer right now, I'd be mailing the award to Jazz Chisholm 
And it would be the award itself would be a Brian Lahair. I was gonna say Brian Lahair. A Brian Lahair signed no. baseball card. Was there was a there was a Brewer too, wasn't there? Tyrone Taylor is no 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 like a Brewer like a really uh, fast like was a rookie that was never good again. Pat Listache. Yeah, that's going guy. way back. <laughs> Go back to the early '90s for that one. Guys, the only place our award's going to end up is in the trash if we hand out a Brian Lahair. <laughs> no, not if we make uh, a couple surreptitious copies for ourselves, because I really want now a Prince Fielder <laughs> Rates and Barrels Best Celebration Award for my for my my shelf up here. All we need is one person that thinks Derek is not creepy and he's okay to go to work with them. Just one person. Do people think I'm creepy? That's awful. Bring your kid to work day. This is my large adult son, Derek. <laughs> and I'm I'm not the Hurley boy. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I think I give off pretty normal vibes most of the time. Yeah, I guess. I mean, sticking with, sticking with the awards though, and speaking of like absolutely ridiculous, the NL Cy Young right now would be Jacob Degrom. The guy could take a month off, and it would be Jacob Degrom. Okay, oh maybe Burns. We could give him the year, the the year one right now. Yeah, it, it's Degrom. I mean, in any other month, Corbin Burns would win in a runaway, but Degrom has been one notch better than Burns thus far. A point five one ERA through his first five starts, and yet the Mets find ways to lose when he pitches still, which is <laughs> so bad, baffling. I also. I mentioned I think the Yankees are going to hit and be going to be fine. We're seeing it in Atlanta right now. That Braves offense is starting to wake up in the series against the Cubs that they had this week. The Mets offense isn't this bad. I realize that Mets fans don't want to hear it. I realize Mets fans want to boo Francisco Lindor for some reason because that will help. That that will that will definitely help solve the problem because he you know he doesn't realize that he's not hitting right now. He needs those boos to get that. Into his head, oh, I guess. It's Wait scientifically <laughs> proven, Derek. The more they boo, the more that Francisco Lindor will be like, okay, I'll try now. Fine. You know what? Yeah, I'll try now. Because you booed, I will try to hit now. They are projected to score two more runs a game than they are scoring right now. That's amazing. That's the largest gap in baseball. The only guy hitting really is Nimmo right now. Consistently. You're getting on base consistently. Seems like Alonzo a little bit. But they've got some real serious holes. They need guys to get going. I looked at Lindor's line, and he's got like a 1% barrel rate, which is kind of surprising. Um, but the, the Mets have also played fewer games, so it's a smaller sample for everybody. And his uh, his plate discipline is like elite. So I kind of just think we might need to reset our power expectations from Lindor. And he might just be a guy who hits 275, gets on base a lot, and hits like 25 homers. Still a really good offensive player, especially when you factor in what he does on the other side. But uh, it, the April NL Pitcher of the Month, obviously Jacob deGrom, as we were saying before, is it as obvious on the AL side to give out that hardware? No, but you know what? Real quick, while we're on the AL topic, does Franmil Reyes lead baseball? He's got two triples. I would love if he was the triples leader in the AL for at least a hot second. No? No. Um, maybe the AL Peralta has four in the NL. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew Peralta had a bunch. But what about AL? He's got a lead, maybe in the AL, which is hilarious. This huge lumbering guy, uh, watching him leg out the the triples has been joyous. Just had to get that in there while while we're speaking about the American League. 
Let's get the triples leaderboard. Triples are underappreciated. I will do the triples leaderboard. We could make this a regular thing because I love it. One of my favorite things of all time, and I know this is, he's become a problematic player, and I'm sorry about that, but Jose Reyes, with the when he had the dreads, <laughs> yeah, and he would hit triples all the time, and the the bat would fly off like right. I mean, the the helmet would fly off like right around second, and you just have this big mass of hair, and he'd be like flying, and he was so fast. Uh, and I was a uncomplicated Mets fan. David Peralta th- with four and tied for second and first in the AL is Romeo Reyes. I knew it. Tied with Nick Madrigal. You couldn't have two <laughs> more different players tied for the lead in triples. I want that to continue so that at the end of the season, Nick Madrigal is tied with Romeo is- Reyes. I want to give him a Rates and Barrels trophy of Prince Fielder. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe instead of best celebration, our, our award would be like some weird statistical foible. Like, like, like triples. Know? Nobody loves triples. Home run. Weirdest statistical leader of the month. <laughs> <laughs> that A weird stat of the month leader would be perfect. Like, oh. Weird stat of the month. There you go. Although I don't, I, it's not as clear to me what the what the thing looks like oh it's it's, it's, a, it's a laptop sliding into third it's fr- no it's it, a laptop it, it's a laptop it's a laptop with a, a baseball like shattering the screen <laughs> that's not bad that's not bad i like it i like it it's ready to go I, i've got the specs just need the, the device to actually make it uh, is it coal or is it glass now because i think <laughs> evaldi sure he's been good so far but Coal and glass now have been a cut above the field in the AL so far. I think from a sentimental perspective, maybe Carlos Rodon because he threw a no-hitter and he's a good comeback story. You could maybe you know get sappy and, and want to give him the award. But just in terms of most valuable AL pitcher, your choices are basically coal and glass now. I think it's been glass now, but I think if you're looking at it as like who's been the most important to their team, it's been Garrett Cole. Because without him, the Yankees would be even more up a creek, right? I mean, he's been literally the only guy. You could consistently count on. He accounted for some ridiculous percentage of their innings uh, pitched out of that rotation. So it's a toss up here for me. I, I, I can you can make the case for either guy. I enjoy Glass now because I also enjoy the the swearing that goes on every time somebody like Kiermaier makes this crazy also, catch. Um, and the flow and the flow. Yeah, also, yeah, I have serious hair oh, envy. Like, what is that they, guy using? And how does it so nice when he's sweating? They're debating on MLB Central right now. Who has the best hair in baseball? And they've got they've got Jazz on there, which is he she should be on there. But they didn't put Glass now on the list. What? That's not even up for debate. The guy is starting, he's sweating, and his hair still looks like that. It looks great. It's amazing. He must have he must have good product. He needs a hair deal stat. Like There is this weird thing that happens. You know, when you have a full season. You get up like there is like rate versus like uh, uh, bulk, right? So it's like, oh, remember, you know, Jake went on the DL for two weeks, so he has fewer strikeouts. But this other guy, you know, has a higher ERA. But what would have Jake have done if he pitched those two other games or whatever he missed? Would he have had a higher ERA? So there's always a debate about. But I think that in a month, that debate gets even crazier because, um, you know, both Cole and Glass now were healthy. But one just had one more start. Maybe one of them's. Maybe Cole's about to start. And I, I, I'm not. I don't have the yes, problems yeah, in front yes, of me right now. But he is actually. Or no, he start. Didn't he start last night? Or did they not? No, the, well, yesterday was the Orioles. He didn't pitch at all in the Orioles series, so he's starting tonight. Is correct. 
So there you go. And so he's going to pitch tonight, and so he could have one more win. Uh, he has more strikeouts per inning. So if he gets those extra five, six innings, he'll have more strikeouts than Glass now. So And if he keeps the ERA down, uh, then he would be a clear winner. So I think that I, I generally actually, and this uh, might be a problem. I, I'm a voter too. And maybe you guys disagree with this, but I generally actually favor rate. Like I generally favor who's been amazing when they've been in. Cause I also feel like injury is not always their fault. So like, I'd rather just know who was amazing when they pitched rather than like tried. Oh, but this guy bulk, I don't know. Okay. So who is it? You know, you've been beating around the bush and I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Cole, Cole, he has the rates, <laughs> better strikeout rate, better walk rate. Better homer rate. Okay. I love the transformation we're seeing from Glass now this season, though. It's awesome. When he's got everything working, he's must-see TV at this yeah. point. So excited for him. And man, Shane McClanahan, we were messaging about this yesterday. Pure filth yesterday. Touching 101, 92-93 with the slider. Split change. Throwing a curveball in there, too. Uh, got knocked around a little bit, I think, the second time through the lineup, which is kind of man, amazing. It's, it's amazing, but like the stuff is pretty otherworldly yeah Yeah. i find it hard to believe we're not going to see a lot of shane mcclanahan in the rays uh pitching mix this season did you see that patino backed him up uh for two innings and this is this is actually i think been the whole plan for the rays is hang around until we can use the innings from our young guys right so now you're starting to see how exciting the rays could be because basically what they need is wander Shane McClanahan and Luis Patino. And I think Adamus might might lose his job. I don't think that Adamus will like lose lose his job, but I think Adamus will turn into like a utility player, their right-handed guy who plays against lefties, you know. Um, and I actually now think that Wander is going to be up this year. Yeah, he's going to start at AAA. I mean, yeah, anything's possible. He could fall on his face and and not get the call. That's not impossible. It's not out of the question, but I'd be stunned if that happened. I think he's going to hit, and we're talking three or four weeks from now, he's up taking over a spot in that Tampa Bay lineup. We've mentioned think, before, not striking out is a huge part of, of what he brings and it fixes one of their biggest offensive flaws. Like you take a team that's like been 500 in a, in a tough division, even with the Yankees, you know, this is still a tough division. It's a very good division. Uh, you take a team that's been above 500, and then you give them McClanahan, Patino as starters, uh, you take out the worst starters that are there. You you take your worst infielder and you replace them with the best prospect in baseball. I I think that the the Rays might win that division. Yeah, I, I that doesn't that would not surprise me at all, especially because it seems like but there's something going on with Judge again or soreness or does any team in baseball like I don't want to use the word or coddle, it- but like does any team in baseball enact the uh, NBA style more than the Yankees when it comes to yes, the judge and Yes, it's load management. Yeah. I don't think he's actually hurt as much as they're trying to keep him from being hurt. He's either hurt or trying to not get hurt or like there's never a, a safe time, right? I, I don't know. It's, that's what it seems like. He's sore. He's un, undiagnosed sore. He's getting a day off. Like, I, I don't know. So, yes, to answer your question, I could see Tampa Bay. Winning the AL East again. Yeah. I love the young talent that they're bringing up into the mix. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's get to our last two April awards. Let's get to the April AL hitter of the month. If you look at the war leaderboards for position players, everything is kind of trending into its right place. You see Mike Trout, of course, at the top, because why wouldn't he be, especially on the AL side? But Vlad Jr., and I talked about this a bit with Keith Law on the Athletic Baseball Show for Friday, Vlad Jr. is doing the things that Vlad Jr. was supposed to do all along. So he's right there, number two in the AL in position player war, has one more homer than Trout on the season, has played three more games so far, so that has to be factored in. I just have a hard time looking at Trout with a 420, 524, 783 line and talking myself into anyone else deserving this award. <laughs> no! He's 164% better than league average. <laughs> I mean, I know it's only tw- like a 20-game stretch, but what on earth... That's 44% better than Vlad Jr., who's 120% better than league average right now. He's almost three times better than league average. I think if we're trying to truly take this award show global, which it's clear we are, uh, we need to make an award that's like best player that's not Mike Trout so that somebody else can get (laughs) the freaking award. And the trophy should be Mike Trout just to troll them. We'll send Vlad Jr. a little Mike Trout trophy. Oh my God, be, I don't think they would. That one did not show up on Instagram. It will be in a bonfire on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately smashed by the unfortunate PR staffer who opens the mail for the players. It happens in the MVP votes, though. You'll you'll see, like it happened to Willie Mays. Yeah, which yeah. is just when you're amazing. They find excuses to give it to other people because they're like, well, we, you know, we already gave it to, yeah. you know, May's already won. Like, we're tired of you. Trout already won. But imagine yeah. if somebody had a sense of humor, a little tiny gold Mike Trout, like, on their shoulder, like, on an Instagram post. <laughs> like, never going to be as good as this guy, but damn it, I still am number two. <laughs> still on the podium. Uh, somebody might find it funny. I, it depends on who we give it to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Vlad would find it funny, but yeah, it, it, it's Trout. I think it's a, a sweep for us. Vlad Jr. has been outstanding. Nick Solak on that leaderboard, too. So we talked about him on Wednesday's show. Pretty surprising to see him tracking towards Real, being a, right a five-plus win player. Yeah, we'll see see how they hold up going forward. Some reason for optimism, but that pace seems a little bit unsustainable for both of those guys. But let's go to the NL side. I think a lot of the groundwork for this was laid probably in the first two weeks of the season. Ronald Acuna has yeah. just been otherworldly so far. And if you look at the qualified hitters in the NL, you don't have multiple guys who've been more than 100% better than league average. Only Acuna has that distinction with a 204 WRC+. plus. He's walking as much as he strikes out. Eight homers, three steals. 
He's driving in runs. He's scoring runs. He's doing literally everything possible to try and keep the Atlanta offense afloat while the rest of that lineup has been in basically a month-long slump. Excuse me. Frederick Freeman had four hits the other night. And then he struck out against Anthony Rizzo in what was like the funniest moment of the month. But I agree. So give, him, give him the award. He, no, uh, he would wear a golden Mike Trout, I think. <laughs> he probably would. He seems like he's got a pretty good sense of yeah, humor. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was a, a, a top shelf moment. Just uh, just seeing pure joy on two people's faces um, and having fun, like kind of uh, uh, like Sandlot style. That's That's how I describe that. But... Um, there's a, I've got a piece out today, uh, let us not have a show where I don't pimp two of my pieces. <laughs> but, uh, in fact, I think I pimped three because I pimped next week's piece. Oh God. I'm such a shill. Um, Acuna is improving in two ways that, uh, actually is, are really important. His reach rate and his barrel rate. Uh, I put those two together and looked at people who've improved those two things. They all uh, had career years, um, and not all. Two thirds of them had career years. But as you said, two thirds of the time it works every time. Uh, those are, I just think those are really fundamental skills. Don't reach. Don't 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 swing at pitchers' pitches. Uh, and when you hit the ball, hit it hard. So when's that story come out? You know. Next week. Uh, no, the barrel reach one is today. Oh, okay. I was going to give our listeners a little heads up if they wanted to hurry up and blog something, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's just cruel. I'm DMing my editor. I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) We have to hurry though. (laughs) Oh Oh, gosh. Akuna for sure. Oh yeah, my chat's coming up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. We'll get you to your chat on time. My birthday's in November while we're at it. <laughs> oh, my, my birthday's in June, actually, if you want to get me something. Yeah, gosh, I so, we, kind of, <laughs> we had two more questions come in about the ball, and the email came from Andrew, and Andrew writes, I'm wondering if this new ball is going to come out to be a bigger culprit than initial reports suggest. Here are the things we know. The ball was changed. Exit velocities are up. BABIP is down. Batting average is lower than it's been ever. It's at least lower than it's been in a long time. If you look at the year-over-year trends, I didn't scroll all the way back to like you know the 19th century. Uh, and pitchers are throwing harder and striking out more batters than ever. So the questions are: One, is it possible that we have a situation where players who were below average at catching up to the heat have seen their problems exaggerated with the ball change? The second question is. I'm hearing a lot about drag, but wouldn't the drag be negligible on a pitch to the plate, whereas it could be pronounced on fly balls in the air, thereby driving down batting average and BABIP? Or is it just April and I'm panicking? Holy shit. That's an Eno question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are no doubles, man. Uh, The doubles have gone away. And uh, it's a total mystery, uh, and we've got a writer on it. Uh, hopefully, he'll uh, he'll publish that piece today. But um, uh, the I don't know. Uh, the, yes, I think the 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 question is right. I think that the ball is a big culprit this year. I think that the uh, the added drag does have some impact on the pitch to the plate, which is pitch movement is up. So pitch movement is up at an all time high. Breaking balls are breaking more than ever. Uh, Fastballs are riding more than ever. Also, we just saw an increase in velocity uh, bigger than we've seen in 10 years in one year. So we just went from 93.5 to 93.9. 
and it's April, which means that the average starting velocity, the average p- uh, velocity for a pitch this year, a fastball, will be 94-1 or something, which will be amazing because August is when velocity peaks. So to go a half tick up uh, around 94, that means, and we already, we, knew, we already knew that 94 was kind of a benchmark where like above 94 fastballs start performing better. So that means that a bunch of people that were sitting 93, or 93 and a half are now over 94. Uh, yes, I think the strikeout rate between the movement and the velocity going up, that's a huge component of the strikeout rate. So I think they really screwed up uh, the ball because by making it two and a half grams lighter, which is the most they could make it lighter, uh, they made they brought velocity up, they brought movement up. Um, and then by deadening the inside, yes, the ball doesn't go the same distance, but at the same EV, but at higher, there are more higher EVs now. So the barrel rate is up. So it's it's weird. It's just become more all or nothing. They did the only thing to the ball that they could to increase three true outcomes. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Who's in charge? <laughs> if you put me in charge, I would the number one thing I'd do is reverse that change with the ball and make it heavier. Because if you make it heavier, your velocity goes down. You might reduce some homers and turn those into doubles and maybe create some incentive to to, to hit line drives. I hope you don't just create more flyouts by making the ball heavier because that would be disappointing. That's another thing with the mound change. The mound change might just create more weak contact, yeah. and and people are like, "Well, yeah, weak contact. That's great. Is it? No. no. Weak, weak contact is not what you're trying to increase. No. We want some ground. The outs? only you want quality contact. The only thing that's great is no longer seeing guys fiddle for ten minutes with their batting gloves between pitches. Like that's to me uh, just a total win-win. No one's gonna be like, "Oh, we didn't consider this when we eliminated that." Like no. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, our our choices are like pretty fair, like pretty like the the unintended consequences are very minor. The only thing that can happen right. with the pitch clock is the guy steps off the mound because he's worried about the guy stealing because the clock is going down. But the guy can do that anyway, right? Yeah, that's not going to go up that much. At least I wouldn't expect it to. So not much to worry about there. Uh, we talked about some closer entrance music. We were talking about relievers and the difference between relievers and starters on last Friday's show and how there's actually a clear difference in the music you'd want as a closer versus what you might want to play if you were stepping into the box as a hitter. So, uh, Eno, looks like you have a selection ready for the group. Uh, what would you walk up to? I didn't actually think about that long because as soon as I thought of this one, it's the one I wanted. And I don't know. It just gets me pumped up. I think that's what I'd want. I don't know. I'd love the part two he screams. I'd have to have that part in. That would hit as you're as you're just digging your first foot yeah. into the box. That's about when that would hit too. Because based on the time, <laughs> yeah. So there is a curse word kind of early in that, so I don't know what they do about that, but. Uh... Yeah, you know, we've got editing techniques that That's right. yeah. people that mess around with things can use to uh, make that more family-friendly. So I think that's a good choice. So All right, so you're yeah. going Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. It's kind of boring. I feel like it's kind of boring. It's like, oh, Beastie, like, whatever. You couldn't do better. But, like, I just heard that, and I'm humped up. Like, I kind of want to maybe play that before we do... Uh, we do uh, podcasts now. <laughs> you want a know, montage? You want like too, a, a montage of our dumb faces energetic. set to Beastie Boys music? Yeah. You know, it's always yelling at the beginning of the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something we could do. I like it. It's good. It's quality. Do you have 
Britt, do you have music for like powerlifting? Yeah, I always think like, what's the one song I put on where I'm like, I'm gonna lift something really heavy. Uh, I really like the, I think it's Drowning Pool, the Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, that song. That's like a oh. great, and it's, again, it's also got yelling, where it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, that is not what I expected. Really? What do you think I listened to? I don't to? know what I expected, but it wasn't that. Uh, Really? Derek thinks I li- listen to like Miley Cyrus as I'm getting my lift on. No, I li- yeah, I figured I li- you were listening to Taylor when you were doing your power lifting. No, no I, come on, I don't think that. But <laughs> like, like, Drowning Pool is from the, it's like the, what's up, when I was in high school, I was late, no, early 2000s is probably when that song was new, right? Right around 2000. Mm-hmm. And that always makes me think of like the, the new metal movement and, and the, the very angry rock. There's like Traps Headstrong. That song was everywhere for a while. Yeah. And then there's uh, there's that song that Evan Longoria still walks up to. Oh, that's a great song, song. But he's kind of ruined it. Yeah, the beginning is great. And then it's not that great of a song. So you better have like one. Uh, it's great for an at-bat. But if you're running out yeah, of the yeah, bullpen, yeah. it's actually not that great. It kind of tailors off. Um, t- mm-hmm. It's tantric. I've listened to it before lifting and been like, "Oh, Evan Longoria." This is when you know you spent too much time, like <laughs> around baseball, like that Bugatti song. I'm like, "Oh, Adam Jones, skip." Like, <laughs> it, it's just like and you spend time with these guys, and like I was on the beat forever, and they don't change their at bat songs, and they just ruin these great songs for you. You're like, "I oh, skip that." <laughs> uh, in my lift weightlifting room in high school, it was Danzig, um, which. Uh, Mother was like a huge uh, song that we would listen to while weightlifting, but it I don't think that... Does it start amazingly? Well, yeah. I, every weight room is like that. Yeah, though. Limp Biscuit is another Don't Sleep On Me. This is not... This is not like what I want to walk up to, I don't think. It's too mellow. It, That's not bad for walk-up music. That's not bad for walk-up music. You don't want to get so jacked. Mother! You don't want to swing out I mean, of your I, shoes. I, I wouldn't pick it. Yeah, I, I will say that like Limp Biscuit is really good for like that quick hit, you know the first like the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. In defense of Limp Biscuit, like that's you're, <laughs> what? I think it's good. Wait, did you have one DVR? What's yours? Yeah, he's making fun of mine. I think yeah. I would change mine a lot. I, I would be the kind of person that does not keep the same walk-up music all season long. I think there's there's a song uh, from a DJ. It's called Swing Thing by Boogie Belgique. And it's more like swing hop. So it's a little chill, but it, it would work for that. Swing hop? Yeah, you never listened to swing hop? Okay, you guys, what's the worst at-bat song you've ever heard? Because one time Derek Jeter came up to R. Kelly, I'm a flirt. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> oh, that's pretty bad. Uh, it still stuck with me. Yeah, that's a pretty bad one. I yeah. Like, really? I'm trying to think of the worst. I mean... Gabe Gross, former Brewer and Blue Jay, yes. was was walking up to some like Christian rock, which yeah, he's I, a big Christian guy. I just don't know how that gets you in the mood to hit a baseball. Like I, I'm not, you know, making any sort of commentary about the music itself, but it's just like that wouldn't get me psyched up. But if it works for him, then that's what you should do. That this, I wouldn't start at the beginning though. Okay. <laughs> this is the intro. Not what I expected. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good stuff. But uh, let us know. Let us know what your walk-up music would be on Twitter. She's at Brit underscore Giroli. He's at Enoceris. I am at Derek Van Riper. Uh, you can find us an email, 
ratesandbarrels@theathletic.com is a perfectly fine way to send us an email. And of course, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just $3.99 a month at theathletic.com slash ratesandbarrels. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening and watching. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.